Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Salopcast. For myself, Ollie and Glyn, another two-game week. Hopefully we'll have a, a one-game week soon, Glyn, and we can have a guest on. Um, but yeah, how are you doing, mate? Imagine after yesterday, you must be in, in fairly good spirits. Yeah, I mean, we've been lamenting, haven't we, the last few weeks about doing podcasts on these terrible runs and all the bad stats and stuff, and it all comes to an end on Saturday, doesn't it, in the most, uh, what was quite a, a mad game, wasn't it, against um, Gillingham. So... Yeah, I mean, obviously, get that monkey off our back, get that first win, Steve Evans, the fight at the end. So that was all quite good, exciting stuff, um, particularly after the first game this week against Rochdale, which was like the polar opposite. It was about as bad as it could get, to be honest with you. So, yeah, it's nice to get that monkey off our back. I've got, you know, still things at the back of my mind, but worrying about going forward this season. We're still not really changed too much about transfers, and we'll have a chat on that, won't we, Ollie? But definitely coming out of that stadium, seeing the smiling faces and... You know, everyone was kind of buzzing about what happened. Seventy-year-old scoring a goal. It's been so long, you know, since we had that moment as fans, isn't it? You know, we've been out this ground for two years and not had a win since we came back to it. So to get that first moment, see everyone just buzzing on the way out, that was a, a real kind of lift for me, to be honest with you, Ollie. And yeah, feeling a hundred times better this weekend than I was last weekend. Yeah, definitely feel better, <laughs> and I feel feel um, I'm pleased for the media lads because now they can actually do an August goal of the month. <laughs> Um, and it's not just a tap in as well. It's it's a good goal. So I think we know who's going to win August goal of the month. So yeah, let's let's fly through the Rochdale game because it is a pit of misery, and that kind of continued into the first half yeah. as well. Um, but then yeah, second half obviously got a bit better. Um, so yeah, let's just do the Rochdale game. Let's get into obviously the, the fun that was Gillingham. Lot to discuss, and then mm. yeah, we'll end on transfers and looking ahead to the rest of this week, which is the the Pizza Cup, and then another game on Saturday. So yeah, let's go into Rochdale away eventually. Off it goes to Holt, he does really well. This is Humphrey! It's 2-0 Shrewsbury Town! Well, Humphrey made the first for Holt. Shrewsbury Town nil, Rochdale two. Um, I was in Cornwall. I actually planned to watch this and then went to watch it and realised I couldn't. So that was pretty, um, pretty poor. So I had to listen to the game. But um, I saw, did watch the highlights. Glenn to kind of help me for this one. But I've never seen the highlights this, um, this kind of skewed. So it was nine and a half minutes of, of highlights <laughs> and one minute fifty for the first half. Um, so that tells you a lot about the first half, I think. So we'll fly through this yeah. game. I think we'll let's not let's not spend too much time on it. Um, but yeah, Shrewsbury Town lost. Pennington got sent off after sixty um, seven minutes. They scored a penalty on sixty eight from that from that moment. And then they scored a, a second goal to kind of seal it. Um, in terms of the team selection, again, Murray seen goal. Bennett right back. Pennington Ebanks and Nurse. Um, Pierre was rested for this one. Um, then we had Vela and Leshabella in midfield. Warley Pike, um, Leahy on the left wing, and Cosgrove up front. Um, so yeah, a few interesting changes. There it was nice to see um, Lashbella start. I imagine that was interesting for you. Um, but then still clearly, you know, weaknesses in this side where you've got Pike in the ten and and Leahy playing as a, a left winger um, doesn't quite work for me. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few things to touch on there that kind of rolled roll over into the second game. Yeah, so you're, obviously you're away, but I I continued my child abuse by taking my children to this game, which was uh, a bit harsh, I think, on them. But um, yeah, school nights are, are not back yet, so they wanted to come watch a bit of Shrewsbury. But um, yeah, this was a quite a dark game, Ollie. To be honest with you, as much as I'm buzzing about um, how well we played on Saturday, particularly in the second half, and came back into it this was probably the worst performance at home I've seen from a Shrewsbury Town team Ollie for I don't know a long time I saw some people saying it's probably the worst home defeat we've had since we lost to Staines in the FA Cup I'm not too sure about that I can think of some other bad home games we've had where we've lost you know meekly without a shot on target but this was bad this was incredibly incredibly poor and the kind of frightening thing about it is that the team wasn't that much different on this game than it was on Saturday so it does show you that you know as much as we've had these two different results this week that you know, the squad is so thin that one day they're kind of managing to get out of trouble, um, which they found themselves in on Saturday. But on, on this game against a, what was a slightly reserved team from a League Two team, Ollie, you know, just absolutely nothing to offer. So, yeah, it was good to see Lash Bella. 
And it was good to see whether, you know, Cosgrove had a little bit more to offer than what we'd seen him initially. Um, and, yeah, the, the other things I think we'll cover as we get to, to the second game, really about Leahy being on, on the wing and um, why we then suddenly played wingers with no wingers. But this this was really bad. I mean, we started off first five minutes, Ollie, quite good. Lesh Bella put a couple of good runs in down down the wing, mate, and, and crossed, crossed one out of play. The other one got blocked away. And he looked quite lively. He looked quite exciting. We thought, oh, this this could be quite a nice nice night to turn up. And... It was a bit interesting. He, he got he got battered by Cottrell. Obviously, we were in the East Stand, so we could see what Cottrell was doing. He, he just battered him after that for like 10 minutes. And to be honest with you, you saw nothing else out of the guy for the rest of the game, Ollie. He just completely went missing, which was which was a shame. And I do think it affected his confidence a little bit. So um, that was a shame. So yeah, the first five minutes, we were lively. The rest of the game, we were abject, mate, to be honest with you. And um, yeah, it just kind of continued from there, to be honest with you. And I'm sure yeah, that's why the highlights were not very long that you were watching, Ollie, because there was literally nothing happening as far as we're concerned. <laughs> So yeah, let's just go straight up to the penalty, I think. So Pendleton, t- Pendleton takes his man down, and there were some arguments about whether it was in the box or not. For me, it was clearly a penalty. He didn't try to win- he clearly didn't try to win the ball. That's why it was a red. For me, I thought it was in the box as well. So I don't really think we had any complaints at all about this. No, one. definitely red, definite definite sending off, I thought. Um certainly definitely a penalty. I think there was a bit of debate about whether it was on the edge of the box, wasn't there? But it wasn't. Um and yeah, stepped up. He's he's obviously got sent off, which is a concern when we haven't got all that many centre backs. Um but luckily it was only a one one match ban, wasn't it, Ollie, for the for the league game on Saturday. So he'll be back yeah. um this week, which is good. Um, but yeah, it was it scored. Just felt like an error of inevitability, and you know we were playing a League Two team. That was the concerning thing to me. Is you know it wasn't like we went down yeah. to their level. They were pretty good, to be fair, for a League Two team. They had a couple of really good midfielders. Obviously, one of them this week we've tried to buy Oli and had it knocked back. And the other one, I think, was Odo, who was really good for them. Um, and he'd be the player I'd be. Uh, yeah, I thought they were saying. I thought they'd got this new new pronunciation for Udo, <laughs> and I was like, "What?" Like, obviously, I kind of came in really fast, didn't really have time to kind of watch the see, even see the really see the team news and stuff. So I thought there was this like new fancy, like you know, um, Udo had taken to the side. I said, "No, guys, you pronounced my name wrong," and then I realised he was playing for playing for the opposition. Mm, yeah, yeah, he was good though. To be fair, and be a bit confusing if we did sign both of them though, wouldn't it? When the commentators trying to do the match, but um, <laughs> yeah, he was really good. He was almost like Lesh Bella started, you know, a couple of good runs from midfield and you know, quite pacey and attacky, but he. he as Lesh Bella fade out the game, the other guy kind of um, got into it. But to be honest with you, as I say, they got a penalty, you know, whatever minute it was. But they had been building Ollie. They'd had loads of chances. Um, you know, it, it just was so frustrating to kind of see us, you know, play in this formation. Obviously, you know, with Cosgrove up front and then Pike off him and Leahy and Wally either side kind of thing. There was no press, you know. We didn't press at, at Rochdale at all. It was it was aimless. Some of the passing was really poor. Um, and then when we did curate something that looked slightly, you know, exciting, there was a moment where, you know, there was a ball that went forward, um, and it and it came to Cosgrove, and all he had to do was take a touch and sort of have a shot, and he just he just sort of completely miscontrolled it like he did in that game on Saturday, and and then the chance went away. Um, you know, no shots on target. I don't think in that first half, from what I can what I can remember. And but you know, half time. You know, just to point out, you know, what what the kind of vibe was as they came off the pitch. I know the penalty was second half, but you know, even even in the first half, Ollie had been so abject that they walked off heads down, very drab, got booed off at half time, which was probably fair. You know, it was nil nil, um, and yeah, I just thought the whole the whole performance was absolutely awful, um, and yeah, just no creativity, no tempo, mate. That was kind of my view of it, and yeah, obviously they got that goal on sixty eight, and that just buoyed them even more, and they got the second on seventy seven. Basically, game over by that point, mate. It was it was absolutely um, terrible from start to finish. Nothing really to be positive about from the game at all. It wasn't like you know we had a nice seventeen year old playing really well in this game either to hang our hat on. It was there was nothing nothing doing on at all. Um, yeah, that was it. Scrappy half chances. You know, just nothing nothing to write home about. I can't. I don't really know what else to say. I don't want to be massively negative on this game because no, we did well. Let's on just Saturday, go on but... to your top three then. There's... Yeah. 
Yeah, so, well, it, it was pretty tricky. I mean, Vela is probably man of the match. He was the only one that didn't stink the joint out to us. We had just kept us ticking over. Um, you know, usual sort of passing was, was high quality. and But he was he was only, you know, a, a 6 out of 10. You know, and he was man of the match for me, to be honest with you. Um, I thought Bennett was quite good as well. Um, in terms of what his role was, he didn't get forward as much as usual, but defensively he was probably one of the ones that was, was solid throughout the whole game. Um, and then I went for Morosi because, to be honest with you, he made a couple of saves where it could have been worse. To be honest with you, so yeah, it was not a good night. Sitters, a couple of sitters missed, no real, no real penetration. That'd be my top three. Um, we're out of the League Cup at an early stage again, Ollie. And the frustrating thing, mate, for me of the whole occasion is, you know, we battled back against Lincoln and we won on penalties, didn't we? Then we got a perfect home draw against Rochdale. Um, it's a great opportunity to progress to get in a bit of a plum tide in the next round, isn't it? Um, I know that they got Burnley, I think, didn't they, in the next round? But, you know, no no saying we should have had that game. But, you know, it, just another, another season of the League Cup football, which has just passed us by with a bit of a meek nothing approach to the whole thing and, and just a just a complete waste of time really so I don't know at least we won one game this season but overall our, our form in the League Cup is, is dreadful and this hasn't really improved it very much No well it's, just, it's, it's one of those isn't it you know in some ways maybe it's not the worst thing in the world to have a, have a few less games but yeah it would have been obviously nice to have a, a big tie maybe a bit of money um, but yeah we're out now <laughs> it's all over um, and yeah um, obviously it was, everyone was quite fascinated to see what the manager was going to say after the game um, and, he's, and he was—he had quite a bit of humility, I thought. You know, he has been quite fiery mm. at times, uh, getting frustrated with the same questions about transfers, which is not a, not a surprise really. And I think it's fair. Um, so yeah, basically he said, you know, it's not been a good start to the season. It's been tough for the players. Um, he said they're honest lads and they'll stick together and all this. And I thought it was a bit strange. He was talking too much about the players. I thought he didn't seem like he was taking ownership. I'm not saying that's necessarily what he was what he meant, but it did. I did find that a bit a bit odd. Um, and then he talks about yeah he doesn't want to put he doesn't want to talk about the strikers too much because he doesn't want to put extra pressure on them which I thought was fair and we just need that scrappy goal and we got a goal we didn't get a scrappy goal which I thought was quite funny um, and basically yeah it's time to stand um, strong with the boys and he'll be there for them and all that uh, but we have heard a few things you know about him going like ballistic and stuff at them and stuff especially at Morecambe um, so you never really know what what's got, what's going on behind the scenes and everything but yeah uh, it was pretty drab and you know the season has been a pretty horrendous start to the season I don't think there's anything getting away from that. That, from everything from kits to you know pre-season and the results and you know, goals and all that kind of stuff and yeah for me this was just a another another it was just a repeat of the same kind of frustration really as you have you, have you said I think it was interesting there was a definitely a much more of a stronger reaction in, in the stadium and a very audible frustration with what they're watching it was an exceptionally bad performance as I say it, you know probably worse since Askey was here some of those real poor games we had but even then as I say you could probably go back further to find a, a, a more anemic and uninteresting game to watch than that to be honest with you um, and you know I, I sensed on social media there was a little bit of a, a few people starting or more than a few people starting to question quite what's going on this season and we you know we obviously mentioned it on the podcast last week. You know, record breaking bad starts, and I think this this League Cup loss to a League Two team really brought it into more sharp focus for a lot of people. And I felt like it almost put a lot more pressure on the Gillingham game, didn't it? You know, we needed to kind of get off this run now. It was too long. Um, and, and we needed something to change around and you'd thought it might come against the League 2 team I mean, last week I was really positive wasn't I Ali saying we'll probably beat the League 2 team and lose yeah, to Chile yeah we hoping we score a few yeah, goals I got it wrong yeah exactly <laughs> but um, yeah all, all in all all in all you know that was the the signpost to the problems we've got to me Ollie. and I still think a lot of the signposts I saw in this game were in the Gillingham game I'm still buzzing about winning. You know, you cannot argue with that. You know, we needed to get the win more than we needed to be amazing against Gillingham. Um, and there are still so many problems that are not resolved and need to be resolved through new players or 
playing players in positions that will probably be better for them. But, you know, that was the signpost to me this week, the Rochdale game. You know, the win against Gillingham is great. It moves us forward. It gives us a bit more positivity. But if you want a signpost of where all our problems are, and if they're not addressed, what will happen going forward this season, I think... It's the Gillingham game this week, Ollie, for me, and and they're the issues we need to solve. Yeah. Um, we can get through some games against someone like Gillingham, and that's fine. But the sorry, the Rochdale game is the signpost for me, and we need to not be repeating that common sort of occurrence many times a season. Otherwise, we will definitely get relegated. So hopefully, you know, Gillingham kicks us on. We bring some new players in, and that takes us to that next stage. But we're not, we're not quite there yet for me. But we'll, we'll talk to that as we go to the next game, mate. Collins checks, opening up for Collins here. Collins goes for goal. What a goal that is for James Collins! Really as good as the one we've just seen at the other end. Having had a quite depressing chat about that game there, Ollie, on against Rochdale, it was better uh, in terms of the final result. And obviously, normally we look at these like matches and talk about the scores and we'll be like, someone scored on this minute and someone scored on this minute. It's quite a lot to cover on the on the sort of clipped uh, frame of the results that we, we talk about now. So yeah, Shoes Return 2, Gillingham 1. There were two goals for us, Ollie. Bloxham on 59 and Cosgrove on 68 and one for Gillingham early doors after 12. But there were also, as well as three goals, three red cards. Um, I'm still I'm not sure 100% whether there was only... Four well, red yeah, cards. I'm, I was going to say, I'm not sure whether there's more one more than that. It doesn't appear on the stats, does it? But um, we'll come to that as we go through no. the game. But yeah, Dave Davis sent off on um, 90 minutes plus eight. And then Phillips for them on 90 minutes plus eight after a massive ruck. And then Harry Burgoyne, um, South Shropshire's greatest boxer. Um, he got sent off on 90 minutes plus 10. So um, we're going to have to cover a lot of that later on towards the end of the game because it was probably one of the craziest ends to a game at New Meadow, I think, to be honest with you, um, in terms of how the game finished. But yeah, that was the scoreline. We won three points. That was a good start. And obviously, we were talking a minute ago about how it was really important for us to get that running, you know, that run of bad results of no wins and <clears throat> series of uh, league losses off our back. And had we, as we mentioned last week, not got the win, um, which did look unlikely for certain periods in this game, it would have been a club record. It would have been the worst start to a season we've ever had in the club's history. So. Cottrell's avoided that on his record after six league games. He's managed to um, to get a win now, so he's, he's started going in a better direction. So, yeah, to me, I was you know that was a record we could have done without, really, because it would have brought sharp focus onto the struggles we've had, but not something we need to worry about now, Ollie. So, yeah, it was a win. Um, let's let's start with the team and go from there. I think but, it's just well, just on that on that point. It's um, I think it's worth noting as well is you know it does make the league table look look a lot yeah. better for recruiting players. You know, if we were going into Tuesday night, which is the transfer deadline, with no points and mm. no goals. I think that just. I think. I think it does help. I'm not saying it. You know, it shifts. You know, it. Sh- you know, it's huge. But I think it will help a little bit that we've got some points now and we've got a win, which I think then the club can use that and in, in into kind of discussion. I think if we're going into into Tuesday and, and the end of the window with no goals and no win again and five five games about a defeat, I think that that would have made it a little bit more difficult. Oh, it would have been shocking. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been absolutely. <laughs> it would have been shocking. It would have been very, and we would be very. This would be a very dark podcast. Yeah. Um, if we'd lost a, if like five games at the start of the season without a goal, man, it was bad. And the first half was terrible. So yeah, we'll get through that. And obviously, these we've got some positive things to talk about for a change, which is nice. Um, so in terms of team selection, team selection was was very baffling, and we'll talk about this in the first half a lot, I think. So we had Murray seen goal. Bennett um, Ebanks came back um, into the starting lineup, and we had um, Pierre starting as well. Um, sorry, um, yeah, sorry, Pierre coming back into the league. Obviously, been yeah. out, hadn't he, with his COVID. Um, then Nurse is left back again. Vela starts in central field. And I think Davis coming back was huge for us. Um, having Vela and Davis, you know, that's two good central midfielders for this level. Only having those two, obviously, is the big concern that we've only got two really recognised, you know, solid central midfielders. 
And then we had Bloxham playing right wing, which I'm sure we'll discuss, and Leahy playing left wing, which I'm sure we'll discuss, <laughs> and then Adele and Cosgrove up front. Um, so yeah, playing classic four four two with no wingers, um, which is a bit it's just a bit of a surprise. But we'll come on to I think we'll come on to that in this in the first half, which kind of I think was quite frustrating. Um, but overall, Glenn, you know, it was a nice sunny day to get down the meadow. Um, and yeah, it was. I don't think we started too badly. We didn't do we actually. Before we get to that, we should mention that we, you know the fan zone was on. You know, a bit of sun outside. There was a lot more fans in the fan zone, so it did have a nice pre-match atmosphere. I don't think everyone was too gloomy with a couple of um, ciders and um, pints in hand, and that was good. And I think you met the guy from the our, our equivalent podcast for Gilling, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, Jill's in the yeah. blood. What did he have to say about the game? Yeah, so I met I met Matt from Jill's in the blood, uh, which was really nice to meet. We spoke to him quite a lot on online, a football mm. friend. Um, so yeah, it was really nice to meet him and. Yeah, he's, he's a good guy and he's, he always gives a fair reflection of the game. And just like give an example, he said, you know, we said overall we deserve yeah. to win, which, you know, I think it's always says a lot about, uh, you know, a guy who's doing blogs and stuff um, and video blogs. Uh, you know, if he's, he's honest enough to, you know, to, to give the opposition credit for the win. Um, obviously, he was very happy with the end of the game. I don't think anyone was overly happy in some ways. Um, obviously, for us, it's quite funny because we won. But I can't really have helped his journey home on a coach back to Gillingham. <laughs> and also, just to put, um, add salt into the wound, they went to he went to Toddington South that has no KFC, no McDonald's, no Burger King, and basically had a bag of um, Quavers and a Ribena for right his down. tea. Which is pretty, pretty, pretty desolate. <laughs> yeah, that's probably one of the worst away days I've I've heard of for quite a while. But um, I don't feel too sympathetic because yeah. we needed to beat them. So um, there we go. But yeah, I mean the team selection was was what it was, wasn't it? I mean, you know, we've not signed anyone still. Obviously, you know, we're going to steal Tom Tom Griff, who's been on the podcast statistic. We haven't signed anyone permanently for thirty one days now, which, considering how much we've been banging on about trying to sign players, is a bit bonkers, isn't it? But you know, that's why the team kind of picks itself. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it's odd, isn't it? You got it took me ages to go back to that. Just I just wanted to double check it. Um, and yeah, it was the twenty eighth of July since we last signed mad. a permanent player. So obviously, we signed two loan players, but it's just mad that we've gone that long mm. without signing a permanent player when we've got glaring gaps in, in the squad which was obviously just part of the context going to this game isn't it going why, why fans are so concerned and yeah and the post-match comments from Cottrell we will cover in the transfer section because that is really brought sharp focus yeah. into what we really should expect going forward which I find baffling to be honest with you um, um, but anyway we'll, we'll get to that as we go through but yeah I mean I don't know what did you make of this first half Ollie I, I wasn't overly impressed with the way we played first half it felt like a little bit of a hangover from the Rochdale game we started okay <laughs> well First 10, 15 minutes or so wasn't too bad. Mm. Yeah, we exactly. Yeah, we st- we started okay. I thought you know we had a few you know a few decent passes. Um, um, Bennett put a good cross in that a doe could only stab wide. Um, but then after that, I thought Gillingham went on top. So they put a cross in the box, um, which which was which too easy. We just let them put a cross in the box. I thought too easy. Yeah. And then um, yeah, then Dempsey um, takes the corner, um, and then Tucker gets free from Ebanks. Um, and yeah, they score. You know, twelve minutes in, um, and then we're one 0 down from a corner again. Glenn. And early doors and behind, and you know, chasing a game again. You know, same same patterns repeating themselves, and you couldn't help but feel like this was just heading in the same direction as every other game we've played in the league this season of being behind and struggling to score a goal. And uh, something would have to break today for us to win the game. You know, scoring two goals would be pretty miraculous. I would have thought at that point in time. But um, yeah, I don't know. I thought the opening section was a bit more even than maybe a few sort of Shrewsbury pundits and. And other people that cover the club and talk about it on Twitter maybe thought I thought it was probably more of an open game. Um, both teams kind of trying to attack each other, but um, lack of quality. I think to be honest with you, lack of quality from both teams in the first half. I don't think Gillingham were good. I don't think we were amazing. I think it felt very 
poor at times. Um, there was very, very sloppy passenger play from both sides. Um, obviously, for us, it ended up costing us a goal, didn't it, by the by the corner and really poor defending for, for the header into the goal. It was a shame. I think it was um, Ebanks that lost his man, wasn't it? Which is a shame because he played generally well apart from that. Um, so, yeah, I, th I thought it was just quite a, a poor game to be honest. I didn't think either team had masses of quality. The only player, that's, the only player that really stood out for me first half um, uh, from both teams, I thought, was the blonde-headed midfielder for um, Gillingham because... It was the sort of player that we were crying out for. He seemed, Dempsey. Yeah, it was Dempsey, was it? And he, yeah. he had a bit of quality in him. He was a bit more of an attacking midfielder. He seemed like the only real natural attacking midfielder on the pitch, if, he, if that makes sense. And um, that was that was it, really, yeah. for me. He was the one that stood out first half. But, yeah, frustrating to go behind straight away. Um, and, yeah, we, we did almost concede straight away after it. Um, we almost went 2-0, didn't we? So that would have been disastrous. That would have been game over then. But we, we held in it. Yeah, that was yeah. a terrible bit of play, wasn't it? It was awful. So, basically, they do a, a, a decent attack, ball into the box, and... Um, Oliver, who's yeah absolute monster of a player, going to the game, he had had um, 210 aerial duels in four games. Mm. And to put that into context, our highest player who's had the most aerial duels is Pennington with 50. So, um, so yeah, you know, loads and loads and loads of aerial duels um, for, for Gillingham, which is just crazy. And only a few behind him is was Invokes for Wickham. So obviously Gillingham and, and Wickham play very direct yeah. football. He wins so many balls. He's, he's a talented player, but they need a few players around him. But yeah, he heads over, and there was audible boos was, at that point, yeah. Glenn, because um, the town fans are really frustrated. And then to make the matters worse, the second first half couldn't have got any worse. And I was, I saw you and your brother, uh, you, sorry, you and your dad and, and your and your daughter <laughs> at half time, and I was so miserable because we ended that half with a terrible effort from Nurse. Yeah. Then there was a terrible pass back from Gillingham and Cosgrove was one-on-one -on -one with the keeper and couldn't get past him. And then, then to make it that as even worse, um, Cosgrove gets the ball into the box. He should have shot on his left foot, but he passes to a doe who had two men on him and he couldn't really get a goal for himself. And then Gillingham get in again and Marisi stops a certain yep. goal. So, yeah, I, I was saying we started the first 10 minutes was okay. Then as the half went on, it went, you know, we got into some dangerous positions, but... When we get into the final third, we're, we are still, and you know, you know, you can't just say, you know, two goals in in, in five games means that you know our, our attacking play is fixed. Yeah. But we look like a drunken Sunday League team in the final yep. third. It's it's embarrassing. It was terrible first half, and it, you know, Gillingham knew exactly what we were going to do. They'd attack us. We win the ball back. You know, Ebanks would play it to Pierre. Pierre would play it to Vela. Vela would run forward. Vela would play it into Bennett down the right. He'd run forward. He'd cross it in, or just you know make a mistake with the cross. They get the ball back. They come forward. We win the ball back, and it happened again. That was the pattern of the play, wasn't it? And, and Bennett, you know, must have had, I don't know, thirty opportunities in the first half to get the ball into the box. Maybe he took, you know, fifteen crosses. I don't know. But you know, I, I just keep thinking back to Cottrell saying, if we keep putting crosses into the box, we're going to score goals. And during the first week, you know, game and a half this week, it just kept coming into my mind that we were putting loads of crosses in, and still not coming anywhere near scoring any goals. And I don't, I don't think that was the the solution to the problem in, in retrospect. But um, yeah, I, I know, I know what I think the solution to the problem is. All part of it, and we'll, we'll come to that after the subs in the second half. But um, yeah, we deserve to be behind first half. I personally think. Um, Apart from that slightly more bright opening spell where it was a bit of an open game, I thought we were second best second half. And whenever chances did present themselves, there was a massive lack of quality um, in the first half. I, I have to say, the guy up front, I can understand why he won so many aerial duels. I actually think he dominated our defenders in the first half. Um, he won pretty much all his headers. He yeah. was really good. Problem with it was, I don't think the guys that he was playing with up front for Gillingham weren't um, really on the same wavelength because he won a real, real couple of good headers where if someone was coming forward, they would have been onto it and, and would have got in really. But um, 
yeah, that, that was it really. And I have to say, you know, as much as one of the strikers went on to score <clears throat> later in the game, I thought Cosgrove and Odo were really poor first half. And you knew you came down to me at half time and you were yeah. saying they're hiding. And I'd had seen Aid Plimmer say that on Twitter at some point during the first half as well. Um, and I think a few people around us were sort of talking about it. They, they really were hiding. I thought in terms of a front two... There was that one attack, wasn't there, where Vela, Vela drives forward... And he gets basically kind of like the edge of the, the centre circle and he's driving forward and he's looking up and both strikers, well, you could maybe be kind of say they were trying to make a run, but God. one of them could have come yeah. short and he had no options at all. He ended up passing right, I think, to Bennett. Um, and for me, that I thought that was quite telling um, that both of their confidences are really, really low, um, Cosgrove in particular, and his touch just looks all off at the moment. And Cottrell did talk about, you know, the, the strikers all look better and when they got confidence, mm. and you, you know, you expect that. And um, But yeah, first half, that we were really, really poor um, and you didn't see us scoring. I'm still not convinced, you know, because he scored two goals in the League Cup, but that the second coming of Odo is quite as <laughs> apparent as it is. This was just another standard Odo performance for me. He just didn't do enough and didn't contribute enough to the overall team performance for me. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, I, I'd rather be seeing Bloxham um, and I'd rather be seeing Bowman and as a third choice, having got a goal now, hopefully his confidence is up, I'd rather see Cosgrove. Odo's fourth choice for me now, to be honest with you. So um, until until we get that kind of problem sorted a bit more consistently, then um, yeah, let's give the, 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 the two that I just mentioned start there ago because I thought I thought Bowman was good when he came on second half. I know we'd kind of won the game, but um, we'll come to that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, half time. You were fuming, Ollie. You were are you honestly? I thought you were close to tears at one point, mate. It was quite. It was quite because you can't. We didn't know how the rest of the game was going to, did we? We didn't know how amazing it feel coming out of the stadium. At that point in time, we were about to be on the verge in 45 minutes later, losing our sixth game of the season and breaking all those records. And it just felt terrible. They got mini booed off at half time, which was probably fair. Um, and it just it just felt like there's something needs to change now. And I think whatever happened tactically and uh, motivationally in the dressing room at half time turned the game around really because we came out and played much better to be honest with you in fact well I would say second half and to, to, towards very well at times um, and it was definitely a half time that maybe has changed the narrative of the season it needed to happen um, be fascinating to know what went on in there at half time really yeah Cottrell said he didn't change anything tactically mm. he just told them to play a bit faster and maybe gave them a bit of bollock or maybe just gave them a bit of confidence maybe, you know, yeah. to, to play more we definitely came out with a bit more tempo um, there's a little bit more zip about our play um, but on the first half Glenn let's just talk about it so we're playing four four two, and if you're playing four four two, you know one of the most important aspects of play is obviously you need two central midfielders that can really cover some mm. ground. Okay, we've got that. Um, you play with two strikers, which is probably why Gillingham played with three at the back because they knew we'd play with two, and obviously then they could defend you know all the all the crosses really well, which they did in, in mostly in part quite well. But if you're playing four four two, Glenn, what's you know wingers is the most famous part of a four four two. So we had Lee, who plays, who's a left back, and he can cross the ball, but he's not going to run forward with the ball. He's not going to dribble. He's not going to break lines with with passes and stuff. I haven't seen enough from him from an attacking point of view to make me feel comfortable with him playing left wing. No. And we have been told that Bloxham has played right wing in his youth mm. career. I'm told he played for Shrewsbury under 18s there. Maybe it's a bit of development, and he is a good player. So he, you know, he his ball retention. He's quite composed on the ball. He has put a few decent crosses in, but for me, he doesn't look like a winger because there was too many times where Bennett plays what you'd call, you know, a professional pass for a yeah. run, and he didn't make it. And four or five times he didn't do that. Now he's six foot five. Now he might have had a growth spurt, and he might have not been that huge when he was fourteen or fifteen. But if you're that big and a striker, you don't play right wing, do you, for your youth no. team? I just don't get it. 
So for me, it's a bit of a puzzle. I'll rather obviously I want to see him play. I want to see him play up front. I'm not convinced right wing is his position now. From the Plymouth, from the Portsmouth game, I didn't think he was that good. The Plymouth game, he got better. He does seem to be kind of growing into the role. But for me, I'd much rather see him up front. And I don't think that we're gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna stay up if our tactic is to play a 17-year-old striker on the right wing and a left back on the left wing position. Well, no, because clearly some of you know. It, and it also brings into question or better for me. Let's start with the Leahy situation. I mean, he—I I would say he's poor as a as a winger. I would go as far as that. I don't think he's very good at all. He's clearly a talented footballer, and and he actually played really well at left back when he moved back to left back in this game later on. You know, once Ogbetter came on, um, I think you've got to find room for Ogbetter, and you've got to find room for Leahy, and potentially it's going to be Ogbetter left wing and Leahy left back. And unfortunately, Nurse kind of becomes the fall guy, which is harsh considering he hasn't really let us down, but. To me, if he if he loves Leahy that much and he wants him to start in lineup, then that's what you've got to do. I think week in week out, you've got to play those two at the moment until we either bring in another left winger or find another solution. But to me, that would be the more logical thing because you know, better showed in this little cameo in this game that he can be effective on left wing and he can contribute towards setting goals up. So um, that to me is what I would do. I don't think Leahy's a winger at all. In the two games I saw him do it this week, he was abject. You know, abject against Rochdale in that position, and he was poor um, against against Gillingham. I thought so. I think you've got to come to an end with that experiment and, and find a better way around it. So you know, potentially that gives you a little bit more with our better on left wing and kind of half solves the problem. And you throw you know, Wally occasionally into that mix as well. On the other wing, I can see why he's doing it. He wants to get blocks from the team, but he's also got other strikers he's got to keep happy. So I guess it works at the moment. I would think long term. I want to see him up front with Bowman. That would be my front two, as I mentioned before. Um, then rotating with Cosgrove as fitness issues come along as a 17-year-old, it's it's going to happen. Um, to me, that's what I would do at the moment. He's he's absolutely he is a talented player, Ollie. You're right. He's, he's got shades of you know looking like a Ryan Woods type player, hasn't he? In terms of that instant impact coming into the team. Ryan Woods obviously played in a different position than to what he plays now when he first came in. So there are a few parallels there as well. Those talented lads will get in the team. So I think we're going to see a lot of blocks on this season. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I want to see him up front permanently. I think a right winger, if if we're not going to persist with, with Wally or Daniels anymore, um, is probably important in this last few days of the window. I doubt it'll happen, but um, I, I don't disagree with either of those things. I really don't I really don't think Lee he's the solution, and I want to see Bloxham playing in a position where he can use his unbelievably natural talents to start scoring us some goals, um, because he seems like the most likely to be the one that can take the half chances that we create. So um, yeah, I, I think that's fair. And, and question back to you, Wally, you know, you didn't watch the Rochdale game, but Wally was awful. Like, it's so, you know, we all wanted him to sign a contract, didn't we? And we kind of thought, it's a good move, you know, keep him another year. Everything I've seen from this season makes me think that maybe that wasn't the best idea because he's not been great in any of the games. He was really bad against Rochdale and he's now not being favoured to play in a tactic when we're playing wingers, which speaks a volumes to me about where he's at in terms of what Cottrell thinks about him at the club at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? You, you look at the bench and you've got, you had your better on the bench, you had Lesherbella on the bench and you had Wally yep. on the bench and you were playing, you have two players out of position. Maybe he's just come back and he's not quite right yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, he's got, we've got quite, that's the frustrating thing is we've got quite a lot of players out of form at yep. the moment. You know, obviously our strikers are all out of form. Wally's out of form, our better's head is not in the right place. Um, so maybe he's playing Leahy and, 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 blocks them because he thinks at least their head's in the right place mm. they're confident they're, they're going to put in a shift 
you know the manager sees them their you know their, their behavior how they are around training and stuff and you know sometimes you have to reward players well for working hard so maybe that he's obviously he's got a lot more things to think about and obviously a lot more evidence to kind of make his decisions and in the end of the day we won the game so you never know you can say he got the right he got those decisions right in mm. the end but it certainly leaves a lot of questions um, and also the player we haven't mentioned I know someone who Chris Hudson's really passionate about why can't we see Daniels play on the wing why don't we play him left wing that's where he played in Northern Ireland that's where he scored all those goals why not maybe he will maybe on maybe on Tuesday night Glenn we'll see Daniels play on the left wing and Sean Waller play on the right wing and give him the chance to to get some confidence now we say that he might have the same thing we had against Rochdale and um, we don't get a performance on Tuesday. But, yeah, want something to look forward to. Maybe. I'd strongly suggest that if you're playing on Tuesday in the pizza trophy, that you're not fancied, to be honest with you, if you if you suddenly come into the team. Well, you're not <laughs> fancied right now, let's be fair, because Caton's going to play. I imagine that um, Block, I imagine that Bloxham will start from with Caton, maybe. I'd rest Bloxham. So I think it's maybe a bit bit of a bag state. We haven't got enough players, nah. Glenn, to say you're not fancied, because we, we haven't got 22 players, so we can't rotate the whole team. So I don't think you can quite say uh, well, that. I, I think I understand the I, sentiment. I'd be more interested. I would think I'd be more inclined. Uh, we're going on to the next game, I suppose. But I'd be more inclined to start Bowman because he needs games now to get him back up to speed um, from his sort of little yeah, injury level. I think he, I think you might end up seeing Bowman, Cosgrove, and, and rest blocks him because he's seventeen. Or yeah. maybe he did mention Caton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He did mention yeah. Caton in the post. We'll see. Anyway, I won't so be there. Come in. I anyway, less, but um, <laughs> there we go. No. Um, but second half, we haven't really got so to it. second half. We're both fuming and sulking, and and I work out at halftime on that board that um, on the fifty-four minutes, <laughs> um, it will be ten percent of the season would have passed about scoring a goal, and that's pretty depressing. Yeah, we did quite. We did get past that, didn't we? Yeah. So we so we took so so we five minutes after that that momentous moment passed. Um, <laughs> yeah, we get the ball. Lee crosses the ball into the box. And there's a clear header, clearance header from Gillingham, but not a very good one. There's a claim for a foul from Gillingham defender, but there's no chance he was going to get that. There's nothing wrong with it. And then the ball goes up in the air. It's near the penalty spot. Blocks and turns around and does a bicycle kick into the back of the fucking Unreal. net. And oh my God, we've waited seven hours for a goal <laughs> over 400 and something minutes. And that is possibly goal of the season, Glenn. Oh, yeah. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, there's a lot to say about this goal. The funny thing about starting it is, is the crossing's terrible. It's straight, straight to a defender, as usual, like has it been happening throughout well, the yeah. whole of this week. Um, but luckily for once, the defender made the error. You're right, the goal comes from a defensive error, doesn't it? And um, I've got a lot to say about it. it. Technically, on the goal, right, it is a crisp, pure strike. It is one of the most well-executed overhead volleys I think I've ever seen. And, you know, I'm not talking about blocks and being world-class like a Wayne Rooney is, but it very much reminded me of that Wayne Rooney overhead volley against Man City where when you do it, you just get everything right about it. And the other the other kind of player it reminded me of scoring overhead volleys was Peter Crouch. He used to have that in his locker, didn't he? And a, and a similar kind of build, a similar size of, size, um, size of player. And I think I remember him scoring one for England. I'm not too sure. Maybe, maybe I'm misremembering that. But I remember him scoring some overhead volleys. Similar like that. It wasn't a fluke. He knew exactly what he was doing. It was a player with that confidence of youth that just thought I will execute something to the best of my abilities and he caught it as perfect as you will ever catch an overhead volley. I, th- I thought it was an absolutely magnificent goal and so, you know, that's the technical analysis of it. It was it was a perfect goal. It really was. And within the moment, you're right, you captured it with how long we waited for. It, c- it couldn't have been more of a fairy tale first goal for, you, for your football club, for your professional career. Everything about it is one of those memories you'll remember in 10 years' time. I'm, I'm sure, certain of it. But then you take it away from that and you, you take it to the context of 
how long have you has it been since you've seen a Shrewsbury player score such a beautiful goal? And and I was trying to remember back to like those memories. You know, we we've talked often about Matt Richards' long ranger against Oxford that kept the unbeaten run going. I was talking to a few of the fans around me, and they compared it to an overhead volley that Leo Fortune West scored, I think, in the early two thousands. So obviously a long time ago. But I think Ben Davis scored an overhead volley once as well, which was probably not quite as good as as, as that one as well. But you know, I'm, I'd love to know how many times we've even scored an overhead volley in the last twenty years. I bet it's so rare, it's unbelievable. So. The combination of all those factors, I can understand why the roof almost came off the West Stand. It was one of the biggest cheers and mentals we've had for quite a while. And it was, you know, on a, on a nothing game at the start of the season, really. It was an absolutely brilliant moment. It was worth the entrance. It was worth your season ticket, frankly, for the whole season. It was it was really, really good. And it, and it almost felt like it was the sort of start of a wave building that won us the game, wasn't it? It really got the crowd up. And from that point onwards, we, we just sort of rode that wave to the wind, didn't we? And I thought it was just a... It was just the start of something quite special and I, I couldn't speak more highly of it and I can't speak more highly of, of what it was in terms of a 70-year-old's first goal for our club. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was an absolutely special mm. goal. I'd say it was it was it's a key moment. Obviously, it's the it's the biggest moment of the season so far. It might turn out to be the biggest moment of the season. Um, interestingly, I thought the fans had got behind, particularly Block 19, um, had got behind the, the team great, at yeah. the start of the first half, second half, sorry, yeah. um, really got behind the players. I think that helped. Um, and then, yeah, that goal, and, and it possibly was up there as one of the best goals they've yeah. seen um, from a Shrewsbury shirt. Best, one of the best. I think, I think the, the, the goal away at Rochdale by Grant Holt on Boxing Day, like an the, overhead volley, yeah, well. I think was a bit better because you're a bit further out. And it was just, yeah, but this was a momentous goal and also just a momentous occasion. I'm told that Steve Cottrell was running to, in front of he the was. family stand. <laughs> Um, celebrating and stuff and yeah it's just absolutely brilliant and yeah obviously took you from you know before that goal it was like we were awful you never saw we thought we were going to score and you went from like a pit of misery to like absolute (laughs) ecstasy it was amazing moment and yeah one that I think we're all cherishing and it's great obviously obviously we know one of our friends Chris Hudson's taken his son and it's his second game he's been (laughs) been to so he was really upset after the first game. And yeah, that's the kind of moment, you know, and that's almost the moment that in some ways makes it more special as a, as a League One team. If you if you support Barcelona or Real Madrid or whatever, you know you're going to win every game and whatever. But as a Shrewsbury Town fan, to have that moment and to have that kind of special kind of goal and the context of it all, it was just such a special moment. And also for Bloxham as well, as you said, Glenn, it must be a great moment for him. Um, and can really maybe make his um, his career kick on now. It will mean there'll be more scouts because I'm sure this goal will do the rounds. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a few, few more scouts looking at him um, if they weren't looking at him already. Yeah, I was going to say, how much do you reckon he's worth now if we sell him on Monday? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 let's, let's, let's not go there. That's too negative. But yeah, absolutely brilliant uh, moment. And then didn't take us too long, Glenn. I thought, yeah, we kind of got, obviously got, um, you know, obviously our coattails up. We were doing really well. Um, nine minutes later... Um, we were pushing forward again. Um, a really tidy ball from Ogbetta. This is what he can bring to the team. He sees yeah. um, Odo in space. Really good movement from Odo, to be fair. He goes into that kind of full-back space on, the, on their, their right-back kind of space where he, where he might have been. Goes into that space. Really nice pass from Ogbetta. He cut, cuts inside, pushes the ball to Cosgrove, and there's that goal that we've been waiting mm. to see from Cosgrove. Is that a little bit of class from him, a bit of quality. Um, he puts the ball into the back of the net. A really nice finish because he's kind of in the centre and he kind of shoots across into the bottom corner. It was a really, really good um, striker's finish. Yeah, something that we hadn't seen from him at all. You know, his finishing up to that point had been 
bobbins, to be honest with you. He snatched at every single chance. And, you, and Cottrell maybe is right. You know, Once we get that first goal, it just lifts the pressure, doesn't it? And it felt like that with that finish. Suddenly there was a player who's just stroking the ball into the bottom of the net from a difficult position with a bit of confidence. And, um, you know, it, exactly. Amen. Maybe that's going to continue now. The confidence is there. They've got a couple of league goals. Two of our strikers are off the mark now. Ado's obviously already got two this season. Shouldn't be a lack of confidence now, should they, about those goal scorers. So fingers crossed that that kind of continues. I just before we come back to sort of that moment and being 2-1 up and what went on from there, it's a fascinating series of substitutes between the goals. It wasn't obviously that long, was there? But as soon as Bloxham scored, there was like one attack and suddenly there's a substitution being made and everyone's thinking, oh, OK, well, what's he going to do here? Maybe he's you know, going to throw caution to the wind or maybe he's going to shut up shop and get that point because we're desperate for it. And it was, and I think it was a fair bit of amusement around me that he subbed Bloxham off straight away after he scored, didn't he? Which was like, he'd had this magical moment. <laughs> it was like, right, lad, off you come. <laughs> it was a bit odd, wasn't it? But in en- in essence, those subs worked because it got better on, didn't it, when he shuffled it round. And I think that was absolutely key to the second goal. And to me... The, the whole of that goal, it's a good finish from Cosgrove. I'm not going to take any credit away from him, but the pass that puts a dough in from 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 um, uh, Ogbetta is something that not many people in our team possess. You know, he he's definitely got some attacking flair, yeah. and that ball where it cuts through the back line and you put someone in. There's hardly anyone that can play that accurately, um, and he certainly can. And to me, that's what I was saying about right at the start. It speaks volumes. He is too good of a player to keep leaving on the bench. He is a fantastic footballer. Um, you know, if we're making room for a Bloxham, you know, if he's out to play on the wing at the moment because he's talented, you get you get Og better on the other wing and you play him every week because he's too good. And if Nurse has to make way or Lee has to make way, Selavi, I'm not too fussed either way. But um, I think you've got to play him. And, and it was just a real good cutting pass that, you know, on top of the crowd being up and everything was just a fantastic moment when it went at the back of the net. I'm not sure it was quite a bigger cheer as the Bloxham goal, Ollie, but it was certainly still big. And um, yeah, again, felt like another big moment in the game. Yeah, in terms of in terms of cheer, I thought it was maybe bigger because it meant we were winning. But for me, it certainly felt like a huge moment again. But yeah, on on your comment about Blocks and coming off, he's he's seventeen. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was probably maybe a bit knackered. Um, he brought Bowman on because he wanted to keep the momentum going. Um, it was interesting actually that um, he went up front after. I think that's why he went up front after we'd scored because maybe to kind of save his legs a little mm. bit. Then he realised he he was gone. He was knackered. So I understand. Yeah, you know, you don't normally take a goal <laughs> no. score off after they scored, but I think I think they think it was probably pre-planned. Yeah. And that he was going to come off around that time, and then and Bowman came yeah, on, Co- and yeah, you're right. He said Bowman looked a threat, and he, he was he was good. He subbed Cosgrove um, off after he scored, then, as well, yeah, like, we, which was quite funny. <laughs> it's like yeah. anyone that scores, get so, off. Yeah, so we made a few, <laughs> made took made a few changes, mm. didn't we? Um, I thought, and then then the game kind of went on. So yeah, there was a good save from Morosi. Um, I thought that was a really good, important save. Um, who's who's been a solid goalkeeper for us? We haven't mentioned that that too often, but he's been very solid for us. Yes. Um, then we had. Um, Good efforts for Pike. I thought it was a decent effort from him, and maybe he's a new corner forward. <laughs> and then Vela takes a f- quick free kick, and Obeta has a really good shot, which was a, a saved by the keeper. So we had a couple more chances. Yeah, we um, as, as the game we went did, on. But I have to say, from the moment we scored the second goal, Gillingham dominated the game again. Let's be honest about it. We, had a, we did have a couple of good chances, but we obviously don't write down all the Gillingham chances. They they played well. They really pushed forward. They really pushed forward, and we yeah, they changed back. formation and yeah. went four two four. We, we tried to defend it yeah. out, and that's fair enough. You know, it worked. So I'm not going to be too critical of it. But we didn't we didn't really play as well in that latter, that, that sort of twenty minutes, particularly the last ten minutes, which were were quite difficult at times. Just sort of scrapping the ball away. I think someone headed one away. It was heading in, wasn't there? And we started time wasting as well. Yeah, as and well, then, yeah, we? we we did what we complain about most teams doing, which was completely shithousing at Ollie, which on this occasion I'm going to be alright with because yeah. we desperately need the win. Morosi took ages on his goal Morosi did take ages. You know- and it's when you, it's, it's, it's so funny, isn't it? Because you know, 
you know, we I know what I will moan about it and I will oh, talk about it because it is really frustrating. Yeah. And then also when then when it's happening, you're reminded of that thought, especially obviously us doing the podcast, you remember obviously we're we're talking about mm. it. Um and then you just have to kind of smile to yourself because it's like, yeah, I don't really mind now. You really don't mind. No. And because um, the time just goes so slowly that that after the goals, obviously we scored the goals in the 60 mm. minutes. Um, and then, yeah, obviously there's still another half an hour to go. Um, and obviously with this team, you don't, you know, you're never going to be confident. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's worth mentioning. Then there was a bit of a red miss moment, wasn't there? So there's um, Phillips um, stops um Davis getting up or something. I wasn't really quite sure what happened here. So then all and then they seem to like start pushing each other. And then loads of players all jumped in. Um Davis gets a yellow, Philip gets a yellow, and then a red straight away. Yeah. And the referee forgets about Davis's yellow card. And this is what kicks it all off because the um the Gillingham staff then make the referee aware that Davis had already been booked, which then he means he gets booked. And then everything all kicks off again. Um, there's like a second wave of, of mayhem and players um, all over the place and stuff. And then you get Cottrell walking into the Gillingham's boxes in response to this. And then you get um, Harry and the hitman Burgoyne <laughs> jumping up from his from his seat. Now, I'm not really sure what happens here. It's hard from the camera. Some people have said from the South Send it looks like he, the, the assistant manager put his arms up towards the manager and then Harry Burgoyne put his arms in now I don't believe for a second that he actually lamped him um, I just don't believe that mm. at all um, but yeah then basically um, Burgoyne ends up pushing the, the assistant manager down to the ground um, and for me the funniest reaction was um, Ol- um, Oliver for Gillingham who's just sitting there bemused and then as well afterwards um, Cosgrove has got his hands on his hips he looks like he's laughing to himself going what on earth is going on it was absolute mayhem wasn't it Graham? yeah Steve Owen steps out of this sort of area doesn't he just sort of stands by the trouble kind of showing the referee look what's going on here looks again it is one I think the whole thing to me was like because of the emotion of where we were at and needing a win and being ahead and the goals a 17-0 score and the, the atmosphere was pretty ripe wasn't it do you know what I mean all throughout the second half it was real ripe it was real tense towards the end because we were holding on at times trying to get a third and win it and obviously Steve Evans is a character within himself in football isn't he he is he's bloody massive every time he comes back he's so wide it's unbelievable um but you know, Celebi, that's his, that's his choice. How he, I mean, he is massive. How he lives his life. But he clearly—he's not healthy, no. is he? Let's just—he's not healthy, and he is so big. It is like he's—you can just like everyone was commenting about him, like he's taking up two seats and stuff, and you can chaff and joke about it. But it's not healthy, and he's a big no. man. Someone, someone described him as my canary in the mind with mine, which was a bit concerning on Saturday, considering I've been waiting over the old lockdown. So I think I better sort myself out. I don't want to end up like that. Um, but he's the sort of bloke that will be continually winding everybody out for the whole game, won't he? He's well known for it. Well, he's been, you know, you know what, Glenn? He's been booked three times this season <laughs> and been sent off. And Gillingham's Gillingham's staff have been had two red yeah, cards. Exactly. If you take Shrewsbury and Gillingham out of the equation, the staff for Gillingham have got the same number of red cards as twenty two <laughs> teams in League One. Yeah, they'll have been chatting shit throughout the now, whole game. We're not angels in this moment, and we're not trying to but you're not trying to say that we're angels or anything like this, but yeah, like Gillingham, uh, Gillingham have a terrible reputation for this kind of um, this kind of stuff. Who knows what was said? God, they could have said something about COVID and Cottrell. They could have said something about anything that really wound. Because I'm not entirely sure Steve Cottrell is this type of man that's going to go bowling over in someone else's box. Um, but 
let's put, put I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, know. maybe yeah. he's he's always been told to get back in. True his enough, box. I suppose, but not bowling over into into the opposition bench. Maybe I don't know. But um, you know, he's an experienced manager, yeah. isn't he? I think let's take away what everybody did, the decisions they made. You know, I think Cottrell and Block and you know the people that got involved, but Burgoyne. Even Davis, to a certain extent, on a yellow card, you know, poor choices maybe in the circumstances because it's going to cost them with potentially um, suspensions and stuff and bits and, and maybe even fines for the football club. Not ideal. Gillingham didn't cover themselves in any kind of glory either. Um, they were getting really wound up with our mm. um, with our time wasting, particularly Evans. And okay, that's fine. He's done it to teams hundred times, so you got to be used to it. Let's look at another man on the pitch though that really didn't cover himself in any glory. And I know that Cottrell agreed because his post match said it. But the referee lost control. Ollie, in all honesty, um, he didn't even play the last minute of the game. There was still a minute of football left to go. He was just, just like to this I, I can't be bothered anymore and just blew up for full time which seemed a bit a bit harsh if you were a Gillingham fan I suppose but he just lost control didn't he just too many niggles were going in that last five minutes he didn't get a grip on it then um, he only really just booked Davis after a series of kind of niggly tackles just before it didn't he so um, yeah he just just lost control really and uh, fair enough he went round and started dishing out red cards and you say there were four red cards but if we uh, I haven't seen this because I went out for some um, family meal with a bunch of my family were up this, this long bank holiday weekend but did Steve Cottrell get a red card was that confirmed I never saw that no, oh. it was the assistant manager, ah, okay. Rayner, got on a red card. So he got a red card and their assistant manager did. Um, so, yeah, it's quite good. Quite Post match, Cottrell wasn't on the pitch clapping the fans or anything, was he? Which is why I think a lot of people assumed he'd been sent no, off because that was unusual. I guess he was just fuming, <laughs> just could wanted to get back in the tunnel and make sure nothing else was happening. I suppose so. Yeah, that's why I'd assumed on the day he was he'd been sent off. Oh, that's good. At least he'll be back on the bench on Saturday. But the whole thing was a just a bit of a and you know I, I don't want to you know be like way loads of fighting and stuff. It was quite funny to watch as a fan. It's a bit embarrassing for people to be doing that sort of thing. But it was kind of like a very mad crazy end to a game. And again, the 17-year-old scoring, winning our first game of the season, waiting all that long, that end to the season, it's, it's you know, again, we don't say this often about games, but it's definitely a game I think I'll probably remember in a fair few years' time because it was it was just so bonkers, to be honest with you, and the Steve Evans factor. There were just so many things about it that made it a really interesting game, which is why we spent 40, 50 minutes talking about this game and only 10 minutes talking about the Rochdale game, Ollie, because there was a lot to talk about this game, and yeah. it was it was fun. It was fun to get the win, and, and the way it happened at the end was a bit crazy. And when he blew the final whistle with everything going on, well, I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> Give us the win. Job done. No, exactly. Exactly, and it's easy to obviously brush this over when obviously you won yeah. and stuff, and obviously it was important. Obviously, you've obviously got the blocks of moment, you've got obviously the first goal of the season, the first win of the season. Obviously, we can easily brush those stuff off. Um, but then, yeah, so what did the manager say, just kind of linking on to that? So he said he didn't really care too much about, you know, he said he didn't know why Harry was given a red. Um, it's unfortunate, he doesn't really give a damn, he's just really happy. And he says, again, I don't give a damn, it just shows how tight-knit we are. It shows what a good spirit we had and delight for the players and the fans. And Cottrell is, is a much better manager in a post-match after a win. And that's fair to say. I think most managers are. But Cottrell in particular is a different character. He's still feisty, but yeah, he's not, he doesn't really care. And and from his point of view, you know, he's just taken the positives from that end. Obviously, the goal, the goal was amazing. Um, and yeah, I thought it was nice. And he, I thought just one final comment on, on the post-match before we talk about top threes and the transfers and stuff. Is he said that... Um, I mean, she thought it, the players showed incredible character to get back into the game. Mm. He also comments on the fans were really important in terms of coming back. But I thought that, um, yeah, I thought the players had, I thought the players turned us turned the game round to be yep. honest um, in terms of their performances. Um, and just he talks about the pitch as well. And you know, we were kind of a bit sluggish, couldn't really get the ball going fast enough. Uh, but I have to say, the pitch is probably the best it's ever been. It's absolutely amazing. Yep. Um, we've got an amazing pitch at the moment. Despite so, yeah, that pitch quite invasion, a few things I said there, Green, I think. Despite that pitch invasion, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's quite, quite funny. Um, 
Yes, Frank, I don't disagree with anything he said post-match, to be honest with you. I thought he was a little bit spiky towards Huddy at Critton. I thought he was a bit spiky towards Dunny at one point. I can't remember what it was about, but um, done in jest, I think, this time, rather than any kind of malice behind it. He certainly got the press. He was asking about how is this, what's this going to oh, do yeah. about, your, I don't know. about going ball. forward, and he says he doesn't have a crystal ball. <laughs> My dad was laughing at that in the car on the way home. He had Lewis uh, Cox on strings in the week, didn't he, with one of his interviews, where he was like, um, you said something that was uh, off yeah. the record, and he said, oh, don't worry, I'm only joking with you, but it was one of those sorts of things where someone like says jokingly to you. But it wasn't off the record. He said it in the normal press <laughs> conference, which is quite yeah, funny. Quite funny. Um, let's do top threes anyway before we talk about transfers. Um, my, yeah, my top three, again, same as the, the other game, the standout player for us at the moment um, is Josh Vella. And we're going to get transfers in a minute, and we know we've had offers for him, which is frightening to us. He's he's definitely a cut above any midfielder we've well, got. We don't know if we've had offers for him. We know there's been interest okay, in him from yeah. Blackpool. Which is a concern. We don't know there's been any offers, but It's a yeah. concern to me. Um, yeah. He's really good. It was really good in the game. Drove us on, ticking ticking the ball over. He must have had more passes than anyone on the pitch, I'd imagine. I'm sure you'll look that up in the week on, on Twitter, Roddy. But um, yeah, just the main man that everything good came through us, and he was really good defensively as well, getting back. So a lot of time for Vela in that game. Definite man of the match. Um, Block some second. As much as he maybe didn't contribute as much in the game um, on the right wing as he probably could have done um, at some times, he was still effective at times. And obviously that goal was just a standout moment of probably the whole season <laughs> when we look back, I would imagine. And um, we were talking about this before we started recording. I couldn't really think of a third. Everyone played pretty well um, in that good spell, um, apart from the first half when we were a bit poor. But um, yeah, I think you were kind of convinced me about how well Pierre played, which maybe went under the radar a little bit. And it's probably fair to point out that he's better than he was at the start of the season, Ollie, when he was fairly abject and, and looked unfit. And I think you're completely right to point it out how um, his form has come back with his fitness and he was good in that game so I went for Pierre third you convinced me <laughs> yeah I thought Pierre was really good um, just needs to just needs to look after his lawn Glenn and then he'll be the complete player yeah. won't he? Uh, but yeah he's, um, he's a good player uh, and it's good to see him back as well he seemed to enjoy the battle a few couple of moments where he won um, some personal duels which is fantastic and yeah good to have him back and it'd be nice to when we have our three centre-backs all fit and ready to play uh, that'd be interesting and it'll probably bring a lot of calmness to the team before I do the top three, my top three is a special mention for Bennett. I thought he was really good. Yep. And also a special mention for, for Digger, for David Davis. I thought it was really good as well. Mm. I think, you know, it just makes such a huge difference having two proper central midfielders in the middle of the park. Um, and that's why we need more players in that area because we're just too light. But in terms of top three, Vela was the best player on the park. Um, for me, he is, he's, he is our best player. Yep undoubtedly our best player, the most talented. He's a player that's going to influence the game um, more. He's, he's the most consistent performer we have. You're just watching the games back, Glenn. He, like, for example, I was watching the Rochdale game. His tracking back runs are phenomenal. He, he puts so much effort. And like Lesha Bello, when he's tracking back and not better as well, that kind of come back, little trotting like they're playing some under-23 game, oh. which I think is part of their development. But you see Velo, and Velo works really hard. Well, Lesha Bello and Orbeta don't track back hard enough. And for me, that's maybe a reason why they're not playing starting games, mm. because you know if they want to play professional football, watch Vela and how much hard work he puts in. He's amazing. But I had to go for Bloxham number one just because that moment, that goal, uh, it was so special. And Pierre third. Yeah. But yeah, they were my top three. That's good. It's good. All right, there we go. Good top threes. And, you know, we, we covered what um, Cottrell said in his post-match there, didn't we, after, before we did the top threes? And that's what brought us on to talk about transfers really a little bit and our expectations because I think most fans are still thinking we've got money in for Norburn, you know, we're, we're still potentially having a tilt at getting this quality squad in 
Um, and, you know, the next three days are going to be really busy and Cottrell's going to finally land his man now once the negotiations are done and, you know, we'll, we'll get it sorted. And, you know, I think that assumption was probably poured a little bit of cold water on it by Cottrell's post-match comments, wasn't there, when he pointed out that, you know, there's two players that we've lost out on this week. Um, so clearly two of his first choices not going to be coming. They've gone to other clubs. Um, and then said, well, if we can add to it, we will, but it's becoming increasingly difficult, concerning. Um, and then Tuesday, I don't know why they've done... Oh, yeah, this is about the, the game, isn't it? Um, diff- slightly different comment about having a game on Tuesday night and the transfer window there and some of the issues that might cause. So it's that middle comment, really, isn't it, about how he said, if we can add to it, we will, but it's becoming increasingly difficult. I think that maybe maybe put in my mind that I, I might be still expecting four, five new players, including loanees, to come in. But I don't... You know, we might just end up with one or two more loanees, and that's it. And... Concerning if that's what happens, it does, and it does feel to me like we've messed this transfer window up. If that's what happens, and we don't bring in a couple of more quality players, and it would worry me that if we don't buy anyone anymore, and we don't spend the Norbin money to replace and him with a central midfielder, that would be negligent, to be honest with you. Um, so they're a bit concerning, really, about what we might be expecting, Ollie. I don't know what you made of. It. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's because you know at the same time, you know, you're 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 quick to say, oh, you know, get we shouldn't have signed Pike and mm. we shouldn't sign players like that. We don't want the manager to do that. We don't want to sign a player that is not going to improve the squad and then be on a two, three-year deal, which creates a problem for us down the line. Now, at the same time, we we will not stay up, I don't think, if we only have Vela and Davis. Correct, yeah. Like, I just don't... And also, you know, Bennett plays, you know, he isn't cover for Bennett, so then Bennett can't play in centre field. But Bennett, I don't think, is really, you know, a box-to-box. To play centre field is the, one of the hardest positions... In terms of you know, in terms of just your spatial awareness, mm. you know, you, in goal is probably the most difficult position. Probably up front taking chances probably the hardest after that. But I think in terms of your awareness, and you know, the goals against Rochdale, the goals against Pete, uh, Port, Portsmouth, and the goals against Plymouth, often came from kind of errors in our central field area, mm. and it's so important. And you know, you need to almost have that muscle memory to make that you know that decision that tackle you know if you're just that little bit late you're going to get booked you're going to get booked in the first half it's going to put pressure on you you know i think you know we, we talked about norbin when he went he is a miss and we need to replace him it is so crucial so for me yes i think he might just be playing to the crowd and mm. he might just be you know, you know obviously i'm sure agents are listening maybe he's playing a little bit of games but in terms of reassuring us we need at least two players glenn i'd I'd be I'd be quite disappointed if we only have one. To be honest, we think we need a central midfielder, maybe two. We still haven't got that number ten that we're no, desperate that's the for, key. Yeah. and we haven't got we haven't got cover for right wing back. So for me, we need three players minimum mm. in those three places. Yeah, and and I I totally agree, and I'll be concerned if we don't cover them. And I would agree that we can put the Gillingham game in the and the wave of euphoria that you know that caused in the game, and and then towards the end when we won. I don't think we're out of the woods in any respect. Yeah, the, the table looks better, but there's still a lot of the issues that we've had in this opening period are still within this squad, um, and we're still trying to manage. Um, maybe the confidence will come back and it'll turn around fine. Maybe Cottrell's right all along, but in general, you know, a poor squad gets found out across the course of a season, and it doesn't feel big enough, and it doesn't feel like there's enough cover in certain locations. And even if the players you bring in at this stage are not ones that improve the first team you know, the, the first 11, then fine, at least try and find somewhere to plug the gaps that you know you've got a player that could come in, rotate for a couple of games if Davis gets injured and, and we can leave Bennett a right back and not have to mess things around too much or even a player that can come in and be better in the number 10 position than Wally or Pike. You know, it doesn't have to be a world-class player, you know, <laughs> or it doesn't even have to be maybe someone as good as Chapman if we can't get that deal done, but it needs to be someone, do you know what I mean? And 
if we talk about transfers, yeah. obviously we talked about there being interest in Vela. If that was to happen, we need to buy two central midfielders. Um, we've talked about there being interest in a player that we know, which everyone sort of led to believe would probably be Chapman, but that deal might be quite difficult to do. Um, we've obviously had an offer turned down for a central midfielder from Rochdale, who played against us in the week. So we are still looking to buy central midfielders, but obviously only 150 grand offered so far. Rochdale are going to want more than that. Um, so there's obviously some things that are in the iron and uh, that will be able to get done before the window. But you know, now we've announced we're after this midfielder from Rochdale. If he doesn't sign, shows me a little bit that we can't convince a club like Rochdale to sell one of their young midfielders to us for a reasonable amount of money. What, well, if they just say what's no, going on there? Yeah, they could like, just say no, but you know, we, we're a League One club. We should be able to kind of prize League Two players away with the, with the right amount of money. We've got the Norburn money. We're obviously you talk about. We, but you say the same thing about Vela going to Blackpool. Exactly. I would, but I wouldn't be shocked if we have to sell him. To be honest with you, I'd, uh, if they got us as five hundred grand, he's gone, mate. As far as I'm concerned, I would be staggered if we turned that down. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tense. It's gonna be interesting, mm. and obviously playing on the Tuesday night is terrible. Awful. It shouldn't be a game. No. It's just really, it's really victimizes um, um, you know um, teams are playing in, in this in this pizza cup because you you've got a lot of work to do now between now and that game on Tuesday, um, and you need to be focused on the transfer window. So you know other clubs that don't have that have don't have this extra pressure. For me, it should be extended to Wednesday, which is very frustrating. But yeah, often we don't have action on transfer window, no. and normally a well you know. A, a, I nearly said well-run club, and that, I think that's fair. You know, a good transfer window means you're not signing players on, mm. on, on transfer day, mm. deadline day. But it I think be. it's probably going to go down to the wire. I, it would be terrible if we don't sign anyone now. That would be that would be utterly terrible I, if we don't sign anyone between now, now and then. My last thing on this would be is I, I have a sneaky suspicion that Steve Cottrell went into the Gillingham uh, bench to try and you know attack someone, hoping he'd get a red card so he didn't have to manage the Peter Trophy game and could concentrate on getting tra- signings in. <laughs> I think you know there's my conspiracy theory of the week. Um, and I, I honestly would say if Steve Cottrell wants to take Tuesday night off and let Aaron Wilbraham run the Peter Trophy game. Get on with it. I don't really think if we yeah, haven't got those d- deals done tomorrow, I would. And because it's bank holiday Monday tomorrow as well, that's the other thing. So you know who's working. Um, but yeah. I take the day off, mate. Just concentrate on signings. Get what you need done. You know who gives a crap about that B team trophy? You know it, there'll only be about eight eight hundred nine hundred fans there anyway, I'd imagine. But um, yeah, let's just focus on transfers because in reality, that's the bigger part of the season. Not you know trying to get to Wembley um, in that trophy, which we'll almost certainly lose in the final off if we got there anyway. But um, yeah, to me, that's what I would be su- suggesting is is that Steve Cottrell leaves it to the to the other managers and and, and uh, to the system manager, and we play you know, maybe a weakened squad, save everyone for Saturday. You know we've got bigger fish to fry than than worrying about that trophy this season at the moment. So um, yeah, that'd be my view really. Um, and then obviously on Saturday, Ollie, we've got Accrington away, haven't we? Um, which I'll be going to. Yeah. yeah, fair chance of getting a win there, isn't there? Again, not one of the the behemoths of this division. Um, so let's let's use that. You know, go there and get our first away point of the season. I'd be quite happy with that. That's where I'm at this week. Um, don't really care about the cup game. So yeah, that's it. That's all I've got to say on this week. Yeah. So what's, what's your prediction then? You think we'll get? You think we'll get? You think we'll score? Get a get a win or a draw? You're going for on, on Saturday? Yeah, let's go for a one-one draw. I reckon that might be the sort of thing we might see. Yeah, so they start the season all right. Five games, nine points. Mm. Um, they scored five goals. They conceded five. Um, so obviously they've got a, a zero goal difference. Um, yeah, it won't be an easy place to go. No. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed we can get something. Obviously it gives us a little bit more confidence. It's nice to get a couple of goals on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and go into that game and try and get something from it. Uh, it be interesting to see how we line up. And you never know, Glenn, we might have a, a new player or two for, for Saturday. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Chapman back at Accrington, banging. That would be great, wouldn't it, to be fair? So um, who knows what will get done. I say, you know, I, I think I said this to you before we start recording, really. I'm really pleased about yesterday. Um, but over the course of me watching every game this season, I am positive, I am buoyed, 
but I have this niggle at the back of my mind and it's all about the squad and it's all about what we do in the next few days. So to me, the next few days are just as important as getting that win on Saturday and, and that's where I'm at this week. So yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating, won't it? We'll keep we'll keep an eye on it and we'll be back next week to talk about it, won't we? So yeah. Um That's it, yeah. So yeah, finally got a point, finally got a win, and uh, yeah, what a, a fun Saturday it was. Mm. And um, yeah, we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Oh.